Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Today, I really felt I had something just very simple uh, to communicate to you out of the life of Samson. So I'm going to invite you today to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Judges. We're going to Judges chapter 13. Uh, While you're turning, I'll give you a little backstory. Uh, Long before there were kings in Israel, there were judges. Uh, Israel would find itself in a mess. Have you ever found yourself in a mess and needed some deliverance? It's like, I've got a problem. Help, Lord. Uh, And Israel would come across these moments where they were just in a mess, and they would cry out to God for help, and God would raise up a judge. He would raise up a deliverer. And sometimes it was like Gideon, and uh, other times it was someone else. But one of the chief judges that we know about today is a man by the name of Samson. And uh, I just want to highlight some things from his life. And the first one is this, is Samson was a person of significance. Number one, uh, Samson was a person of significance. We see this here in Judges chapter 13 and verse number three. It says this, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, behold, now you are barren and you bear not, but you will conceive and you will bear a son. Now, therefore, beware, I pray you, and drink not wine nor strong drink. Do not eat any unclean thing, for you will conceive. You will bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be called a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Now, notice this next part. And he will begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Now, if you're familiar with Word of Life and you've come here for any length of time, you know we have a saying where we say success is where you try to make your life better and significance is where you try to make someone else's life better. Uh, We said when our Christianity is very shallow, all we think about is success, using God for upward mobility. Uh, That with God uh, in my life, life will see progress and it'll get better. And the, the good news about that is you have a God who's very interested as your heavenly father for your life to see progress. But the trick of, of the matter is, is that once you've tasted significance, success really doesn't satisfy. Because significance is where you see God use your life to make someone else's life better. And when you have the privilege and the honor of being used by God, and you have the the privilege to see your life be leveraged uh, to help someone else's life, and you begin to live for that, something fills your soul that it and only it can fill. And I, I, I honestly, with point number one, it was not a point I was overly excited about. In fact, several times in writing the message, I tried to write it out and make it a two-point message uh, with the next two points. And so far, and neither service have we gotten to. Uh, so I, I tried to edge it out. Uh, and because I'm like, well, great, Samson was a person of significance, and I'll come to others and be like, hey, understand, you are too. And it's the truth, you are a person of significance. 
Like, I think oftentimes we look through scripture and we see like Samson or David and Gideon and we make them exception, the, the exception and everyone else the rule. It's like everyone else is here and then you have some of these other people that rise above the crowd. But think about the people we just named, like Gideon. God comes to Gideon and when God comes to him, Gideon thinks nothing of himself. Like he is literally in a wine press hiding because he's got so much fear in his life and God comes to him, he's like, behold, mighty man of valor. And Gideon is like, who is God talking to? He said, I'm poor. <laughs> and I, I love that saying, it's like, I am poor. Like, what can I do? I am poor, my family's weak and I'm the weakest one in my family. And God's like, you are called by me uh, and I wanna use you to help people. And we see moments like this, or like even David, who God used him to bless a whole nation, and God used him to bless us. I mean, if you've enjoyed the book of Psalms, God has used David to bless you. And out of this, you see David be so insignificant in his own household that God would come to him and come to his father Jesse and be like, there's a king in your house. And Jesse thinks of every other son besides David. And God is like, no, like the one who I've actually called to be king is not here. And Samuel's like, Jesse, do you have any other boys? And he's like, well, there's David. And sure enough, David is king. And we read these stories, and I think we miss the point. I think we, we take Gideon, and we take David, and we set them kind of over his side, and it's like, these are the heroes, and you have us. But I think God would use these people not to show you like they're put on a pedestal, but for God to show you, no, like that's you, that, that each and every one of us are called by God to live a life of significance. And like, I, I, I thought like, okay, I need to say that and then we'll move on. Like we'll go to point number two and then we'll go to point number three, but I, I could not shake it. And I just knew there was more, but I didn't know what it was. And at the 8.30 service, we don't have an 8.30 here, but we have an 8.30 at Highland Colony. I preach it live and then I drive over here for the 10 o'clock. Uh, out of that, at the 8.30, right before I'm about to walk out, I, I just am looking over my notes, I have a red pen, and in my, my notes, I just, just have this phrase uh, like pop up in my heart, and I just write it down, and it turned into the whole message. And it is this, we, collectively, me and all these people, need you, and when I say you, I literally mean you, well, we need you well. And so many of you aren't. You're really not okay. Like we, we have this Harvest Fest and you'll see kids in costumes and masks. Uh, those aren't the only masks being worn today. <laughs> uh, that a lot of us in our, our carefully crafted social media world, and long before social media, you had religion, uh, and where you, you had to disguise and filter what you were really feeling or what you were really going through or the addiction you really had or the, the pain you were really enduring or the problem that you kept facing and kept losing to that I had had that. I had had that from church. I had had that from people. I had had that from a pastor. I had had that from a wife, a husband, a father, a mother, a pastor, a friend. I had to hide that portion of my life because it's, it's wounded. 
that we learn to walk wounded. We become the walking wounded. And what I mean by wound is like if you get a real wound, it bleeds, and so you just begin to kind of bleed out. And when you're bleeding out, you're losing a little bit of life. So you're alive, but you're not really. Like you're losing life. Like you can sense, I should be happier than this, especially as a Christian that knows what I know. Like I I should have like joy and peace and faith and hope and, and like a dream and passion and, you know, romance. And it's so funny how fast we learn to give up on those things. Uh, you know, it, it's so funny how like we begin to water down what marriage could be or water down what life could be because we don't want to be disappointed. See, the gap between what I expect and what I experience, that gap is called disappointment. And so we learn like through like young people, and that they'll have a vision of like, this is what life is going to be like. And it's like Joseph, when he walks up on his brother, they're like, behold, this dreamer cometh. Because Joseph has this dream of like, here's what life is going to be. And of course, it's him winning at everything. Uh, and as a young man, he has this dream of like, this is what God's going to do. And here's honestly, I, I think sometimes we underscore this because it was a dream from the Holy Spirit. It was like God showing Joseph of like, Joseph? This is where I'm going to take your life. And I think so many of us, when we're young, like we have these dreams and these expectations of like, life's going to go this way, and marriage will be here, and we'll have these children, and this will all be right, and I'll get the job, and I'll get promoted, and we'll get a house, and it's going to be great. Um, And then we set this expectation, and then we have experiences. And the experience does not match the expectation. And the gap between my expectation and my experience is called disappointment. Uh, Because my expectation did not line up with my experience. So here's what we do. We train ourselves to lower our expectations to our experience because disappointment wounds us. Uh, And the wounds from past expectations that did not get matched by experience begin to so wound us that we're operating at 60 to 70% of our best selves. Everyone thinks it's 100, but you know you got more on the table. And one of your biggest frustrations is you know that there is more in you than the you you are currently showing in marriage, life, family, and everything else, but you can't figure out why it's not coming out. And that wounds even more because it's like, I should be better than this and further along than I am right now. Walking wounded. And here's what you see in Samson's story. You never see him at 100%, ever, ever. You never see Samson at 100%. Samson is wounded the whole 20 years he's used by God. For 20 years, like Samson's story, and it's real beautiful. Like, and I, I love the terminology of like how we see, you ought to read the book of Judges when you get home. It's fascinating. Like, I, I love the terminology of like you see Samson have this origin story of like parents who knew their child was a gift. What a gift to have parents who know your gift. 
Like what a, what a gift to have parents who believe you are special, that you are a child of destiny, that you are a child of significance, that you are a child who was not just born but sent by God. What a gift, what a strategic advantage to have parents like that in your life. And his origin is this, is he has parents who believe that the child that this woman is, is pregnant with is a child who is going to be special. And he grows up in this household, and you see him as a young man, and the Bible talks about that there were moments where the Holy Spirit moved on him marvelously. And I love the terminology because it's so beautiful, as you can just picture, and and maybe it's because I grew up in a Christian home so I can relate to this, Uh, but maybe even if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, there were just times when you were young where God moved on you marvelously. Uh, and maybe it was a summer camp or a service or a worship moment. Or, or for me, like I can remember being, being 17 and just laying on my bed and like the Holy Spirit just dealing with me of like, you can't keep going in the direction you're going. I expect this to be good for you. And I can remember the Holy Spirit moving on me and just quickening a dream in me and course correcting me. And Samson had these moments maybe that that you have had where like as a young person, the Holy Spirit moves upon you marvelously and you get a sense of like, I can be holy, I can live for God, and you, you get a sense of calling of what I can do, the places I can go, the things I can see, the miracles that can be done through me, and you get a sense of awakening. The soul awakens to the potential that God has placed within the soul. And it's far more than survival and then retirement. It is like significant. Making a mark some way. My life counting for something. And this is Samson. And a young man uh, in his um, youthful zeal and ignorance Uh, and we've all been there, and some of you are there right now. Uh, When you're young, you have this zeal that oftentimes can be unguided and untrained. Uh, He comes to his father, which this is also one of Samson's wounds and why we never saw him at 100%, is he never had a man in his life who told him no. There was no authority that he could find himself submitted to, which is hard when you're the strongest one in the room. But the Bible is clear. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Why? Because there are things that other people see that you can't see because you're too emotional to see what you need to see. Emotion clouds judgment. And sometimes you can be the strongest, wisest person in the room and make the dumbest decision in the world because you're so emotional about it. Uh, And so he comes to his father, and he sees a woman who is not an Israelite, and this was was the, the origin of Samson's pain. He sees a woman who is not an Israelite, and he comes to his father, and he says, I want it. I want her. And his father's like, she's not an Israelite, you know, all of these other types of things. And he's like, I don't care. I want her. And Samson, to his credit, falls in love with this woman and marries her. She becomes his wife. And out of this, uh, Samson is in a culture that's unfamiliar to him. So like any of that kind of thing, you come in and you're with a, a wife who has a certain sort of core friends, but they're not your core friends. Like your core friends are actually somewhere else. So you're trying to fit in and you're also trying to be the man and kind of stand out. And like, you're, you know, you've got something going on for you as well. And so you're like trying to like be the guy, be the alpha. And so he throws out a challenge to all of her friends who are, are males and he's like, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you a riddle. If you can solve the riddle within a certain amount of days, 
uh, I will buy you each a pair of clothes. And he says, for, for, for that, I'll do it. But after the, the end of days, if you can't solve the riddle, each one of you has to buy me a pair of clothes. Now, all of this is just born out of cockiness uh, and, you know, just adrenaline and like all of these other things kind of flowing through Samson. None of this is born out of wisdom. Uh, but he throws this out there. And so for days, they try to figure out the riddle. They can't figure it out. So they come to his wife, who she knows, and Samson doesn't know them as well as she does. They come to his wife, and they're like, look, if you do not get him to tell us the riddle, uh, we are going to come and kill you and your father. Now, I'm telling you, you ought to read your Bible. Some of you, like, I'm telling you, the Bible's more interesting than anything you'll see in reality TV. Like, you just go home, read the book of Judges, fascinating. So here she's at this moral dilemma. Well, what do I do? Like, I can betray my husband who I love, or I can betray my father who I love and, and risk uh, death for myself and my father. So in her mind, and you get it why she did this, in her mind she thought, I have to, I have to betray Samson. I have to. And so she begins to, to come in and just bawl in front of him, just cry and cry and cry in front of him. And he's like, I'm not telling you. She's like, I know you would tell your mom, and I know you would tell your dad. And he's like, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell them. I wouldn't tell, tell my father, my mother, and I'm not telling you. She's like, Samson, please, if you love me, you won't keep any secrets from me, please. And he finally tells her the riddle. Well, she goes and tells it to these men. They come back to Samson, and they're like, I know the riddle. And they give him the answer. At this point, Samson knows his wife has betrayed him. I'm talking about being wounded. I'm talking at being less than 100%. And how you get there. So Samson's origin story is young kid, his parents know he's special, he grows up in a household dedicated to the Lord. The Holy Spirit moves on him wonderfully. He sings some neat things kind of happen at birth. And then now he's about to enter into disappointment because he's expecting love and forever and to never have any problems. But he's experiencing betrayal in marriage. He's experiencing someone who in his mind has more affection for others than they have for him. He's disappointed by this. He's hurt. He's wounded. And he's got this big gap of disappointment. And he's about to not act right. And out of this, he is hurt as anyone would be. He doesn't know the whole backstory. He doesn't believe her when, when she's expressing to him, like, I had to. All he sees is you have betrayed me. And out of this, he's less than his best self. So he's wounded. What happens when you get wounded? Life begins to leak out. When life begins to leak out, you don't have as much strength. You're not being your best self. And so out of this wound, life begins to leak. He is showing his wife and his family a lesser version of himself. And this is what I want to get at. It's not because he's bad. It's because he's wounded. And people would look at Samson's behavior and be like, you're bad. And he's looking at his wife thinking, you have been bad. And she's like, you didn't see my wound. Like, if I didn't do this, my father would die. I would die. All he's calling her is bad when she's not just bad, she's wounded and operating at less than 100%. And so out of this, Samson has this deep wound in his life that has come from this relationship, and he's about to show the world just how bad he can be, and he leaves his wife, walks away from her. 
And out of this, through, through walking away from her, the Bible doesn't tell us for how long, but it was a period of time. And her father sees all of this happen, and he's thinking, there's no way Samson will ever forgive you. There's no way this is ever going to work. He's been gone long enough. So he takes Samson's wife, disannuls their marriage, and gives Samson's wife to Samson's friend. Now, they didn't have the internet age, so it's not like Samson was on Instagram and, and going through stories and be like, what? Like, you know, it's, he didn't know. He didn't know. He had no idea she was with him. None. None. And so finally, he comes to this place of, you know what? I, I need to go back and I need to apologize. So the Bible says that he buys a, a really expensive, like, uh, you know, small piece of, of cattle uh, that, you know, you only buy, it's like the most delicate meal, and you're coming back to, like, present it and be like, I'm sorry, like, let's, let's be in love, <laughs> you know, these kinds of moments. And he has no clue that when he goes back, she's actually married now to his friend. Now, once again, I heard, heard it back there, like, oh, like, yes, right? Can you imagine? Uh, and so when Samson comes and he experiences this, he is, and rightfully so, once again, wounded. And when someone is wounded, you know what you're about to see? Someone be bad. Because whenever you see someone bad, you are also seeing someone wounded. And when you're not spiritual, all you see is them, them bad. But when you see with the eyes of God, you also see why. And Samson, he goes wild. I mean wild with anger. And we all get it. And so he goes and lets everyone know how disappointed he is with this. He takes, you know, the Philistines, and this is the point where he gets foxes involved. <laughs> it's like, what in the world is going on? And Samson is just letting this rage kind of like go through him. And when the Philistines have this happen, they're like, well, this is the reason why is, is, is this has happened in his marriage, and so they take Samson and, and, and watch him, and they have this moment where Samson comes and sees these men take his wife, who's now married to another man, and her father, and he watches them burn them alive. I'm telling you, you ought to read your Bible. And in this moment, can you imagine the wound that is developed in this young man's soul? Watching this, watching what looks like your wife betray you, watching your wife then marry a friend, then watching your wife and uh, her father be burned, and you know it's because your anger had a part to play in it. And we look at Samson later on in life, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, have you ever had one of these moments where you're looking at Scripture, and it's like, what are you doing, Samson? Like, he, he's going in, and he's visiting, uh, you know, harlots, and like, the Bible is very clear with his actions, and it's like, Samson, what are you doing? Uh, and then we see him, like, with Delilah, and Delilah clearly does not love Samson, like, has no affection for him, but yet we see Samson with his head in her lap. 
And she is just sitting there asking him, what is the secret to his strength? And the very thing he says, well, it's this. You wrap me with reeds that have, you know, seven reeds, and I'm done. And she would wrap him with the reeds. Uh, And then, you know, he breaks out of that, and she's like, well, I thought you loved me, and you would tell me the secret of your string. He's like, well, have you wrapped me with ropes? And then he wakes up, and he's wrapped with ropes, and a guy jumps out of the dresser. It's like, surely, Samson, you can see. Like, this is not wise for you to be here. But he didn't see it. Well, he probably saw it. He just didn't care. And people would look at that and be like, what's up with you? Like, you're you're a nugget short of a Happy Meal. Like, you know, how how could anyone sleep that hard? Like, you know, all of these types of like, run, man, get out of there. Clearly, this is not good for you. But why is he there? Why is he there? Because when we are operating at less than 100%, a lot of times we seek to numb ourselves instead of to receive healing. And Samson has, has found in the past that love is not an option for me. So let me just go to this place where there is no commitment to anyone, even if no one is committed to me. And we see a sin with Delilah, but oftentimes in the story of Samson, no one talks about his pain. And for 20 years, he has been traumatized, and he has walked through the trauma of everything I just listened uh, and everything I just named. And we see him be so talented, but yet not really show the world who he could be. And I can't help but to wonder if Samson was at 100%, how different the book of Judges would have turned out. I can't help but to wonder if Samson ever received healing, uh, if Samson ever received life, if Samson ever received redemption, if Samson ever had a moment like David where he, he pressed into God with such a way where instead of just asking God to do a miracle around me, but God do a miracle in me, create in me, oh God, a clean heart. Like, you never see Samson have that moment. I can't help but to wonder how different it could have been. Like maybe he could have fallen in love again and had a family and what would have those children been able to do? And and, and maybe he could have seen reconciliation with his his parents and maybe he could have seen God do more. But here he is with his head in the lap of a woman knowing she doesn't love him but just not loving himself enough to make a change. Because as Samson's life kept living, he moved from one who had experienced the hurt into one who was causing the hurting. And his ego is getting so big and so strong that he thinks like at any moment I can just shake myself and get out of this. Because he has lived bound by sin long enough to believe that I can be bound by it, but not afflicted by it. And the goodness of God the whole while is sustaining him. And sure enough, he is. He's able to shake himself and see deliverance. He's able to, to put on the show for Israel to see, and there's a miracle. And uh, we write stories about it, and they, they praised him, and then he still went home lonely. He still went home by himself. 
And what they thought was a hero was actually a broken man who was leaking out life everywhere, operating at 60, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10%. Alive, but not really. Until finally, he gives Delilah the secret of his strength, and he says, no one has ever touched my hair. And his hair was a, a symbol of every vow he had ever made to God. And every vow before that moment, he had broken to himself, but that was the one he kept. God asked him not to touch unclean things, and he did it all the time. God asked him not to drink, and every, almost every theologian will say the reason why he slank, uh, slept that hard was because he had an alcohol problem that he could get so drunk that he didn't even know his hair is getting cut. Every vow up to this point, he had broken. Have you made vows and broken them, said you wouldn't and did it anyway? Been the person who had not only been wounded, but the person who had wounded everyone else, but none more deeply than yourself? And this is Samson's reality is the, the final thing that he has said belongs to God. He has kept with every fiber of his being until finally he has gotten to the place where he has let that go unguarded too. And when he wakes up, he has the shame of a head that is shaven, knowing that in this moment, every vow he ever made God, he had broken Every promise he had ever made to himself, it had went unfulfilled. He said he would change, never did. Said he would get better, never got better. And they take him, and the Philistines, they do two things to him. The Bible says they blind him and then bind him. Blind him and then bind him. And they put him in this press where he's grinding, and it was like this thing that had walls all around it that ran in a circle, so his life with much pressure is moving, but there's no movement. It just keeps going with pressure in the same circle, but no advancement. He's blinded. There is no hope for the future. He can't see new possibilities. There's not excitement in his own soul. There's not uh, the, the working of the Holy Spirit and the God of all hope, filling him with hope and believing. Like, there is not a joy there, there's not community there, there's not laughter there, there's nothing there that is healthy or right. He has been blinded. But not only has he been blinded, in past seasons of his life, he had been bound by things, but always able to break free. In this season of his life, the bondage has set in, and it has begun to control him. He can't break free from it. And it's like, I've been going through the same motions with no freedom. I, I keep taking my life in the same circle and there has been no advancement and Samson knows why. It's because of the trauma that happened to me early in life and now it's because of the trauma I caused later in it. I'm sure there would be moments where the, the sweat is dripping down his head and he reaches up and wipes it and fills the very vow he broke. And, and here is the, the question that, that I would have is, is, what do you do when you've gone through trauma like that? What do you do, like me and my wife this week, we had a family that we loved, they called us and they were just crying and they, they had a miscarriage. What do you do when, you, when you're wounded like that? 
What, what do you do when, when like a friend betrays you? What do you do when the church hurts you? What do you, what do, you do when, when in marriage it just didn't go? Like there was expectations and then there was experience and the expectations were way up here and the experience was way down here and this gap has been disappointment. What do you do when, when you have two years where you experience something that was nowhere near the expectation that you set for it? What do you do when you have wounds What do you do when you break vows? What do you do when you promise you'll be better but you're not? And what do you do when you tell everyone I'll change but you're still the same? What do you do when you keep going in the same circle? It's been a long time since you got excited about anything. What do you do when you know you should be happy but every laugh you give is actually fake because on the inside you really wanna be honest but you don't feel like you can. What do you do when you, need, when you know you need to man up, but what no one knows is you've been trying to? And it's just not working. Because people think you're at 100%, but you've been bleeding out for a long time. What do you do? In Scripture... Every single person but Jesus was flawed. They were a failure. Every single one of them. David made vows, broke them. Peter swore he never would. He went out and did the very thing he said he wouldn't do. Paul wrote and said, as the guy who's writing three-fourths of your New Testament, there are things that I hate and I still find myself doing those very things. What do you do when you're like Naomi and you've had death all around you? Literally all around you. What do you do? The sad thing to me with Samson is not just the trauma. I wish he would have had a mentor like Samuel in his life, like David did, who could have helped him. Or an Abigail who could have come to David and stopped him somebody in his life that just got his attention and be like, Samson, whoa, 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 buddy. (laughs) You're wounded, man. Stop. Slow down. Acknowledge what's going on in your own soul. Slow down. I I wish Samson would have had like a Nathan that could have come like Nathan did to David and be like, you're the man. And you have hardened your heart. And you need to humble yourself before God like I... I wish Samson had someone like that in his story, but he never did. So for years, he never healed. He just got worse. Until he's bound, blinded, and with every vow shaved off of him. But I love that Samson's life doesn't end there, and neither does yours. In the middle of all this mess, and a life that was filled with disappointment, and a life that was lived with every vow broken. Samson comes and he prays. And in this pit, he cries out to God and he says, God, will you do something? It's a simple prayer. But he said, God, will you remember me? Will you remember me? And I know what what he was asking, that God, I still remember being that young kid when the Holy Spirit would come and move on me. 
And God, I still remember moments in my life where I didn't deserve it and you came. And when I thought it was me, it was actually you helping me break through and overcome. God, I know that even in my sin, that there was a hedge of protection about me, that this should have happened to me a long time ago. I played with things way too long, but it was your grace and mercy that kept me. God, can you do it again? Will you remember me? But I also think that there's this play on these words where it was not just God can like you remember me and those things that you did in the past. I think it's like also this play on words of like, God, can you remember me? That in my life through trauma and through pain, I have had a life that has been fragmented and broken. What happened to me in marriage, it broke my heart. And what happened to me when she died, it broke my heart. And what happened to me when my friends forsook me, it broke my heart. And God, I felt like my life got into a million pieces. And God, I felt like for 20 years, I tried to act like I had it all together, but I never did. And out of that, I went from the one who was broken into the one who was doing the breaking. And God, I broke every vow I ever made you. And every promise that I ever gave you, God, I broke it and I know I did and I broke my life and my calling and I know I shouldn't be here in this pit and I know I shouldn't be here without my eyes and I know I should be here with my hair and I know I should be here free and bringing freedom and God, I know I broke it, but God, I also know that you're good enough to fix what is broken and God, can you come in and remember me? Can you put me back together? Can you cause another miracle to to come in my life. God, can you pick up what I laid down? Can you fix what I broke? Can you give me a heart that bleeds again and a heart that dreams again and a heart that loves again and a heart that is filled with your spirit again? God, can you remember me? And I love Samson. I love Samson had the boldness to ask for that. Oh, it blesses me. He had the boldness to ask for that. But I love even more that God had the love to answer it. I was telling my wife the other day, I said, I was looking at her and just in in awe of the gift God gave me. And how much I love her, my family. I have a remembrance story of when my father passed away and I felt like my life was in a million pieces. And saw God come in and remember it. And I was, was looking at her and just so mindful of that. And I, I started laughing and I said, I remember when I almost didn't call you. We had our first date and it was a train wreck. I mean, an awful awful first date. It was a group date with several people, including my mom and my stepfather. And some way or another, the conversation went on the rapture. And that's where it stayed the whole night. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, what in the world is going on right now? And I'm like, could this get any worse? And so awkward. And I remember dropping her off, and uh, my mom was like, are you going to, like, call her? 
I'm like, no. I'm like, what did you just witness that was different from what I witnessed? Like, I know I was nervous, but I clearly saw there were no feelings there on her end towards me whatsoever. I'm like, that couldn't have got any worse. No, I'm not calling her. And the next morning I woke up, my mom lived in Birmingham. Uh, I woke up and uh, I opened up my mom's Bible because I'd forgotten mine. I was doing a one-year Bible reading plan. And kid you not, uh, the story was Isaac and Rebecca. And the only thing highlighted on that whole page was talking about Isaac and Rebecca, who were a married couple, that said, he called her to see what she would do. That's the truth. Only thing highlighted on the page. And further down the page was highlighted, and she became his wife. And that was my Bible study for that day. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm like, okay, fine, fine, God. I'll call her. I'll call her and see what she'll do. And so I knew she was in college and knew she was in class. And so I called her when she knew she was in class, just kind of bounced the ball over in her court. Uh, Leave a voicemail. If she's interested, she'll call me back. If not, uh, I won't have to go through that rejection (laughs) and that awkwardness of being told no. Uh, And she called. She called back. And we had our second date at Crackle Barrel in Trustville, Alabama. Uh, And... One of the greatest decisions I ever made was to pick up the phone and make that call. But I almost didn't do it because I thought, what if I get rejected? What if I get hurt? What if it doesn't work? I can't help but to wonder how many people are are like Samson of like, I've been here before. And I faced trauma, and I'm wondering, God, where were you? And I, I've been here before, and I've broken vows I made, God. I'm not even sure if I am curious to, to know if he would even care. And so for years, we just circled, bound and blind, seeing no progress. And all the while, we have a healer who says, I can remember anyone in anything. And today, that's what I want you to do. I want you to call upon the name of the Lord and say, God, can you remember this? Can you make my life what I know it can be? And I think God would come to us today and say, just like Samson, you think you've seen miracles. You think I moved on you when you were a teenager. You think I moved on you a couple of years ago. You haven't seen anything yet. The miracles that you're about to see are the greatest miracles you have ever seen. And it's not because you have been perfect. It is because I am good and I am gracious and I am kind and I am loving. And I had someone somewhere, even if it's a thief on a cross who's never done anything right in his life, who in his final dying breath looks over at Jesus and say, can you remember this? And God will turn to you and say, this day, I will not only remember you, but you're going to walk with me in paradise. I believe God's going to do the same thing for you. He's going to remember you. He's going to put you back together. He's going to pick up the fragmented pieces of your life, and he's going to make it a miracle. Why? We need it. We need your story of freedom. 
We need your romance story. We need to hear about your miracle. But you'll never have one if you don't ask for it. We need you well. And today, you have a God who wants to remember you. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed at all of our campuses. At Highland Colony, I'm going to turn you over to Pastor Ryan. Online, we love you guys so much. I'm going to turn you over to Pastor John. And here at Lakeland, you are stuck with me. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Joel, I need to be remembered. I want to invite the Lord in my life in a fresh and new way. I've got news for you. You don't have to be perfect. Samson, once again, had broken every vow he had ever made God. And God still remembered him. And God will still remember you. If you're here today and you want the Lord Jesus, you want to give your life to him or rededicate your life to him, you want to surrender and ask for that remembrance, if that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you do something for me right now? Would you lift up your hand all over this place? Hands going up all over the room, in the balcony, in the, every section, all over the, the church, hands going up. Amazing. Somebody says, does it matter? You better believe it does. This is Samson's prayer right now. This is Samson's prayer. It's like, God, I need remembrance. God, I need restoration. This is Samson's prayer. It's just God saying, I know, I need some healing. I need some life. Amazing. Now, everybody in here, why don't we just do that? Let's just all lift our hands to the Lord. Everybody in here, let's just lift our hands to him. And let's just say this. You can repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know in my past I have been hurt. I've been wounded. I've been let down, betrayed, and hurt. And Father, I also know there have been times in my life where I've been the betrayer, where I've been the hurter, and that hurt me most of all. But Father, here's what I know based off the life of Samson, that I can have a life filled with hurt, but I also have a God that is filled with healing. And so, Father, right now, I ask for your remembrance. Put me back together, Lord. Give me a heart that's filled with a dream. Holy Spirit, I thank you for moving on me in times past, but I thank you, Father. You anoint my head today with fresh oil. Give me fresh vision. Let a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, Father, begin in my life. Fill me with your anointing. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you that though my sins were many and red like scarlet, today, Lord Jesus, your blood has washed me and made me whiter than snow. And because of that, Father, I move forward today knowing without a shadow of a doubt that my best days, my brightest days, my most blessed days 
My day of miracles is beginning right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate today, right now. In Jesus' name, a brand new day. A day of miracles begins right now.